think Larry should be taking the offering from now on. <laughs> oh Lord Jesus. You made me feel like I'm from the jungle. Not kidding. <laughs> I'm grateful to God today that I'm able to be here to share with you. Uh, hopefully, the completion of uh, the message I started. Crossroads. Crossroads. Stand up with me. Sit, stand, sit. <laughs> okay. This is from Isaiah 54 and 5, verse 4 and 5. Uh, the Lord showed me these scriptures years ago when our church started. And I thought, oh my God, I thought I was so smart. I can hear the word of God and really do whatever he says. Then he tells me, no, it's not you. It's not you who speak. It's not your own ears. I can hear better than all these unbelievers. No, it's not you. God gave that to me. And I need to confess it. Amen? So the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is willing. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor turned away. Who opened your ears? Who opened your ears? Don't you ever say, I opened my ears. He didn't do it. God said he did that. Amen. Father, I want to thank you for this word today. I pray that uh, the word will come out and that your people will hear and understand. We will all hear and understand. We are all your people here. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. There was something that was so uh, curious to me when I was a new Christian when I read in the scriptures that Jesus said, take up your cross daily. Take up your cross daily. And he meant what he said. Take up your cross daily if you are going to follow me. It's a decision. And I found out that the decision you make in your heart God sees it and understands what you're doing. Even though you don't seem to have the strength to make that decision, you are doubtful. You're thinking, how can I ever meet this decision? But because that decision was made in God, he empowers you, just like the scripture we just read, he empowers you to be able to fulfill what he has spoken to you. Why? You accepted it. As the truth. So when Jesus said, Take up your cross daily, that means there are certain things that are going to come into your life, and you have to make a decision to stay with Him, or like He said, lose your life. Stay with Him, even if it means losing your life and, and, and then going with the rest of the world. It's always that crossroad. Christianity is simple. 
no complicated because Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is what? Easy. Oh, it's such a difficult thing to be a Christian. Oh, you just lied. Because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The reason why you are finding it difficult is because you are not willing. You are not willing. Once you are willing, God takes over. And it's no longer your strength. Even when your strength seems small, that's where his strength, his strength shows up. And we have to understand that. This is scripture. We have to understand that. Many times, God will bring you, I found that in the scriptures, God brings you into a very difficult situation. And it's a test. Like Brother Larry says, this is not the devil all the time. It's a test. And God is looking for something. I don't know. The Bible tells us God knows everything. From the beginning to the end. But then when you read scriptures, when it comes to man, God seems to be looking for something, not from the man, but from your heart. From your heart. Listen to this scripture, uh, Deuteronomy 8, 2 and 3. It says, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Did they see the Lord leading them? Absolutely not. They were not even aware God was there, most of them. If they knew God was with them, then their attitude would be different. They had seen God's will, but they had not seen him. But God was the one leading them. All these years in the wilderness, he says, to humble you. Pride goes before a fall. To humble you. Because when you are humbled by God, you grow stronger. He lifts you up. God said to humble you and to test you. You think he did it for them over in the wilderness and it's not going to happen to us today? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God hasn't changed one bit. We change with time. God doesn't change. He stays the same. His ways remain the same. So if he gave them this test, he is actually testing us when we go through difficult times. Notice he said through the wilderness, these 40 years. To humble you and to test you. To know what was in your heart. To know what was in your heart. I thought God knows everything. Why does he have to now know something that is in your heart? But he made them to do that. And I'm going to come up with another scripture that lets you know that God always will test you to know. I don't know why he doesn't know what's in our heart, but he will put you as a Christian through tough times just to know how you will respond. And if you respond by 
disallowing him in your life and, 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 and speaking things that contradict his word with, well, uh, I know the word of God said that. But, well, your butt is in the way. Excuse me to say that in church, but <laughs> take your butt off. Because God meant what he said, and he's not going to change it with your butt or your opinion. His word stays the same. This word has been here for thousands of years. You cannot change it. It's already established in heaven. In my prayer this morning, I said, God... I want you to establish it here on earth with me. Your word is already established in heaven. So you can't change something in a place where you cannot go right now. The word has already said that. He said, I want to test you to know what is in your heart. Whether you will keep these commandments or not. Verse 3. So he humbled you, allowed you... So hunger. I've seen this in my own family's life. Years ago when we started the ministry, we didn't have much. And uh, I owed so much money, they kept calling and harassing me. This guy, I shared this year before, this guy called and he was harassing me. You got to pay the next $200 right now. Otherwise, I said, uh, what company do you represent? He said, I said, look, what I owe your company is at the very bottom (laughs) compared to the others. If I give you this amount, there is no way I can pay the others if they all demand what you are demanding. You know what? After I said that, it was quiet for a long time. And he left me alone. My kids used to say, now that they are grown, we we fed them uh, noodles and hot dogs. That was their meal. Breakfast, lunch, and my kids say, we thought that was the best. I said, I wish you knew what we were going through. (laughs) We didn't like it at all. But God wants to know how you will respond. We were focused on doing God's work. We went in our home. Then we had church in our home. We didn't care about it. Just to make sure God's work goes on. And my children have something in their stomach. Whether it's hot dog or cold dog. (laughs) They have something in their stomach. But he wants to know what is in your heart. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger. Notice he didn't bring the hunger to you. He allowed you to go through it. And fed you with manna. Which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know 
This is the purpose. The difficulties are to make you know that man shall not live by bread alone. The difficulty is not about you. It's about you in a sense that what God is planning to do is to make sure that no matter what you go through in life, whether it's something pleasant or something not pleasant, you know that has nothing to do with what the Word of God says. Now you are fully vested on the Word of God. No matter what happens to you, you are totally unshaken. No fear. Because your trust is in God and His Word. His Word is already established. So all of these crossroads and the trials we go through, they are designed, God allows it. He allows it to grow you up. To make you the person that he created you to be in the first place. And he wants the best for you. If you think less of yourself, that's your problem. But God sees you as like a son, a prince in the house of the king. And it's best to carry yourself that way, no matter what's going on in your life. You know, princes have troubles too, no? Earthly princes, talk to them. They'll let you know. The greater the trial, no, the greater the trial, the more in God's eyes you are special. That's what it is. You want me to give the example? Think about Job. God didn't tell Job, oh, you're going to be sick for some time and uh, don't worry about it. Oh, he, he had no knowledge. Job didn't even know they were having a meeting in heaven. And God was bragging on him. He had no idea. But the result of that meeting had so much to do with his life here on earth. He didn't like his one bit, but he refused to go away from his God. He refused. And then finally God came at the end of it, and everything changed for Job. Twice what he had before, more children, a wife, everything that he lost, everything came back to him. And God put that in scripture because God's saying, this is the way. This is my way. When, I'm, when I think you are so, you are something to me, I will let the enemy come in just to test you. And then after that, he knows what your heart is. He knows that you love him, that you are not going to go away just because you are having difficulties. You want to be there no matter what, like the three Hebrew children Men said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even if God doesn't deliver us, we're ready to die. You have to come to that place, no matter what's going on in your life, you have given your life so strongly to Christ, that no matter what comes your way, you maintain the course. And these things will keep coming to, to tempt you to see how you're going to go away from it. 
every one of us, including pastor, everybody. He comes to you. You just want to give up. That's the easiest way. But stay strong, just like the people. Look at the test. <laughs> Put yourself in this man's place, Abraham. In, in Genesis 22, 1 and 2, it says, Now it came to pass after these things that God, what? You see the word again? Tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, yeah, yeah, I am. Then he said, take now your son. Look at how God phrases his word here. Take now your son, your only son, Isaac. And then he says, whom you love. Can you see how tough that test is? Abraham says, yes, I'll take my son. I know Isaac, and I love Isaac. You're right, God. But now God says, sacrifice him. For me, for the next two days, I won't sleep. Many of us will say, that's the devil's voice. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Get away from me. And the voice come, comes back and says, this is God Almighty. No! He can't be God Almighty asking me to sacrifice my son. But notice, Abraham said nothing. He was willing. The next day, he was out. And God was waiting. In Genesis 22, 11 and 12, it says, And the angel of the Lord, because Abraham had bound his son and had the knife up, and he was going to destroy this king. Because he had faith. If I kill him, he's God. He should raise him back up. That's what the New Testament tells us. But we didn't know anything that was in Abraham's heart when this was taking place. We just knew he was ready to do it, no matter what. I, this is my only son. I'm going to kill him for God. And this is what happened. It says, But the angel of the Lord called to, to him from heaven and said, Abraham, He says, uh, so he said, yeah, yeah, I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad. Do, do or do anything to him for now. What? I know. Can you understand that? The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let the matter be established. The first one was dealing with the whole of Israel. Now God was dealing with his, his own son, Abraham. And he says, now I know that you fear God. Why didn't he know that all along? Because you have to demonstrate through trial that you really mean business. And then when he sees that, 
then he's found a friend. He'll never leave you. He'll never leave you. This was the toughest trial in Abraham's life. To take his own son. What will people say? I'm glad he didn't talk to his wife before he left with the boy. He would have had a few scratches on his face when he came back. That would not happen. God says, now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. What are you withholding from God? Think about it. Well, it's not that. It's not that. But there's something that in us, unless we've been through a very tough situation, that will hold back when God is asking you to do something. You may have $15,000 in the bank, and God suddenly speaks to you. What if you, if you give, Pastor Larry talk about the vision. What if you give 12000 God, I only have 15. 12? That's not God's voice. I still have to do this. But if you let that go, he's found a friend where he can push through his agenda. And you have more. That's the issue here. Every one of us is being tested, especially also in the area of offering. We're so scared. Why are you afraid? It's like God's not going to be able to meet your needs. Every time we give an offering, it's a crossroad. You got to calculate what you have and what you have to give to God's work. And if it's a little too much, no, 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 I can't give that. You go right back down. It's never, most of the time, it's never up. It goes always down for us. But God wants it up, sacrificial giving, just like Abraham, sacrificial giving. And then things begin to change. You can be just only one event, just one event, that God speaks to you to do something. Maybe not for the church. Maybe your neighbor. And he says, I want you to go help this person build him something. I heard a story about a man. Um, I'm not going to go too long with this. A story about a man, uh, actually, no offense, but he was Caucasian. And he had a very, in those days, a, a black friend that they were, I mean, their toilet, <laughs> you could see the bottom of it when you go into their toilet. And he kept saying to himself, I'm going to build him a house someday. I'm going to build him a house. This friend, I'm going to build him a house. The guy had nothing. The family, nothing. And then a strange thing happened. He had a flat tire, and he had this little girl with him, and he was trying to fix the tire. I actually probably saw the people in the, this event where I went. And uh, while he was fixing the tire, his little girl ran across the road, and this friend killed him, killed him with his truck. 
Betty thought he was a deer. So he didn't even stop. So they started looking for him. And then finally the police said, hey, sir, you have a bump here and there's blood. He said, yeah, I ran over a deer the last night. He said, it wasn't a deer. He just killed a little girl. When this man heard about it, he was sorry, the father of the girl. And the man who did it and they finally told him the girl he had killed, he was beside himself. Both, fam- both families. They were the, the, the father of the girl didn't know what to make out of it. But he understood that will never happen to this guy. That's not who he is. And that man was so devastated by what had happened. So in the funeral, the father actually called the guy and said, I want you to sit by my side. And the guy said, not in this world. I can't do that. He was weeping. I, I can't do that. I can't, I can't, can I sit by your side? And the father said, I want you to sit by my side. And when that was over and everything people heard about it, he found this opportunity, brought the issue, started raising money to build him a house. And he did. They built the house, and the pastor actually was there sharing. He said, now our church and their church, we have seen the love of Jesus. Both church families, by one man's act, the pastor, we will never forget this. This really demonstrates the love of Jesus. His bigger, that girl went to heaven, but what his actions is much bigger than, in my mind, somebody, she's enjoying herself in heaven. We're still here. But that's what you can do. One act can change a whole community when we are willing to let it go. The father could have been bitter and decide, I'm going to kill him. I did all of this to him, helping him, and he killed my daughter. Well, he never intended to kill your daughter. You know that. But when you allow the bitterness to eat you up, then you act differently. It was hard for me to hear this story. Almost, I was crying. It was tough. It was tough. But are we willing to give that sacrifice? If God allowed that to be your portion, what would you do? That's the issue here. With Abraham, God says, I now know. And then in verse 15, the same chapter, then the angel of the Lord, after Abraham had given his sacrifice, angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, by myself, I have sworn. How many of you will receive that kind of uh, message from God? God cannot swear with any, there was no, there's no greater person in the universe. But he says, by myself, I have sworn, saying, because 
you have done this thing and have not withheld your son. That's the second time he's saying it. So that means he, was, he really touched his heart. He touched God's heart when this man made that sacrifice. It says, and have not withheld your son, your only son. So he says, blessing, I will bless you. The son was still alive, but he had demonstrated he is going to stay with God no matter what. So God says, blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. In you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, including the United States. It all came from this event here. Amen? Every prosperous country in the world, they take their root from this promise God made here. In you and in him, through Jesus Christ, the gospel has gone all over the world. And people's lives have been transformed. They started really low, and then God lifts them up to a very high place because they were willing to follow Christ, who is a descendant of this promise. And we are also part of that promise. Amen? Amen. Think about Joseph's uh, trial. Joseph's trial. There's something about Joseph from the time I was a new Christian, I was intrigued by him. And also Samson, because he had the ability to bust heads with a <laughs> and carry gates and all of that. For a young man, that's exciting. He's so powerful. Unless you cut his hair, but when his hair grows back, you better watch out. <laughs> because he's going to kill everybody around. But Joseph was very intriguing to me because of the human nature. And many of us will, not, will probably not let go of the bitterness of your brother, your older brother, selling you out as a slave. It will consume the person's mind. Every day you're thinking about it. How dare, how could they do this? And all of that. Joseph, no. He had already forgiven them before they showed up. In his mind, he was going to live his new life. For some reason, I don't know, I, I think Joseph may have in his heart, no, this was God's path for me. Sold as a slave. How am I going to rise up from being a slave all the way to being the prime minister? That was ahead of him. He had no idea. But he made up his mind, no matter what's happening in his life, he's going to keep God first. No matter what's happened in his life, he's going to keep God first. That's what we don't understand. The scripture keeps telling us this, that if you keep God first and you stay with it, things will change in your life. No matter how long it takes, things will eventually change in your life. For the good. 
for the good. It says in this scripture, uh, Genesis 39, it says, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast a longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. Most young men will see those long eyelashes and forget that God has sent them for a purpose. They forget about it. Oh, I must be something else. Even the master's wife is after me. I must be something. Those long eyelashes. So beautiful. It says, but he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is not one greater in his house than I. Nor has he kept back anything from me. But you, everything else I have access to. But you, that was close. And he says, because you are his wife. Then he added, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against who? God. And the woman doesn't know God. She says, what do you mean God? I'm not going to do this. It's not just because of your husband and everything he's giving me access to. What I'm really interested, I am not going to sin against God. And, and this pressure was not one day. It was daily. And she was trying to get him, but he refused. But that was a serious crossroad for this young man. He had to go to jail for it, prison. But that was God's path for him to becoming the prime minister. If he hadn't gone to that prison, he wouldn't have met the butler that brought him to, the, to, to Pharaoh. God has a path for you. You are not ordinary. The Bible makes it very clear. In uh, 1 Corinthians 2.14, he says, The natural man does not receive the things of God. But you are not natural because you are able to receive the things of God. So every one of us here today, we are special before him. And you have to see yourself that way, no matter what's going on. Joseph didn't understand what was going on. He would have complained to everybody in the, in, in the prison. I didn't do anything. It was my master's wife that put me in this. And his master was in charge of that jail. Guess what would have happened to him if he's saying stuff like that? He won't live long. But he followed his God. The thing about it that really blows my mind, when those two guys from the king's palace, when they were sad, 
He recognized something had gone wrong. His presence gave them joy. He was a joyful man in spite of all of that. He asked them, why are you so sad? They would have said, but you are sad as well. Right? But he was a joyful man even in his condition. No complaints. No telling about his brothers that were wicked. Nothing of that sort. He kept everything to himself, trusting in the God that gave him those dreams. When good things come into your life and you begin to think something wonderful, it's not from you. Amen? It's not coming from you. may think, oh, well, I'm so smart. I'm just thinking about all these wonderful things. No, you're not that smart. I'll talk to your wife or your husband and they'll tell you. You're not that smart either. Please don't talk to my wife about that. But those things are coming from, you, from eternity. Because he knew you before you were born. God knew you before you were born. And he has a plan for you. And when that time comes, he begins to download these things. And you're thinking, why am I thinking of these impossible things? These things cannot happen. Uh, embrace them. Talk to people about it. Some of them would think you are nuts. But speak what God is put, put in your heart. That's what the Bible tells us. Speak what God is put in your heart. Even when trials come, you stand up just like Samson. You remember? The uh, Dalala will bind him, you know. And then she says, the Philistines are upon you. <laughs> and he's like, I will go out again and deal with them. Like <laughs> He just breaks everything. Same thing you can do. I think about David. The man after God's own heart. You would think somebody that the scripture says is after God's own heart shouldn't have any trouble at all, right? Everything is coming to him right the way he wants it. No, David was running for his life. At one stage, he says, I'm not sure if this guy is not going to kill me one day. This was a man that was anointed by the greatest prophet in the land, Samuel. The one that the Bible says God didn't allow his word to fall to the ground. And yet, the one he anointed, and you, you have to go into reading the story of how he was anointed. They had to wait for him to bring him in. All of that. But did David think about those things? No. All he was trying to do was survive. But God was with him. And he never forgot God. And those crossroads will come. When you decide I'm going to follow God, those things, temp temp temptations and people will come to you and say things to you. You don't have to listen. Now, I remember when I was newly saved, no drinking, no smoking, none of that stuff. I got, let them go. I finally discovered my friends that I smoked with and drank with, they were willing to pay for my beer. Yeah. Don't worry about it. We'll give you a case of it. 
I don't need it. Keep your kids. I was shocked to see that these guys will never buy not one bottle of beer. Now they are willing to give everything to get me drunk. They want you back. And that's what happened to David here. Abasha, that's the brother of Job, 1 Samuel 26, 8 and 9. Abashai said to David, God, it wasn't God of heaven, has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now, therefore, please let me strike him at once with the spear, write it to the earth. And I will not have to strike him a second time. You got your enemy in his place. You got to kill him. That's a crossroad. If I kill him, then I don't have to be running around. But that's not God's will for his life. This is what David said. Do not destroy him. For who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? And be guiltless. Um, I've taken this to heart. When it comes to ministers, unless I know the outcome, I have no business criticizing any other minister. I didn't call them. I didn't call them. God who called them gave them their own assignment. And he gave me my own assignment. I can't be reaching out to find out why they are wrong or stuff. It's just, it's just unproductive. Do what God asks you to do. And do it right. But David had a chance. But he refused. All his troubles in the natural mind would have come to an end. But that, that may be more trouble for David than he wanted. And God protected him because he would not do it. Let me close with this here. Jesus also had his crossroad. He bore his cross daily. But before he went to the cross, you could tell he was, he seemed in the natural, he had to fight a lot of stuff. Right before his crucifixion, that's where you see this happening. It says in Luke 22, 40 to 44, when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. But he knew it was God's will, right? This was the natural Jesus, because he was both man and God. This was his body saying, this is too much. I, 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 can't, I can't tolerate this. And God the Father is staring from above thinking, if I let this be, I will have to destroy everybody. Because you are the only solution. But thank God he says, it's not his will. Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, 
Not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven and strengthened him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Think about, think about it. When we have a difficult time, what is it that we're supposed to do to get out of it? There's only one person that can deliver you. And so even after he was strengthened by an angel from heaven, he still was praying. The angel couldn't answer his prayer. God has to. And that's where we go whenever, whatever we're going through. That's where we go to God and talk to him. Talk to him. Even in your thinking, talk to him. And he hears everything. He knows what you're thinking. He knows your heart. Tell him sincerely what you want. And this is what happened here. He says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Uh, some time ago I shared with our church. God had crossed the ground, right? With Adam. He crossed the ground. This is atoning blood. Can you get it? That's the blood of the Son of God going on the ground. No curse can withstand that. No curse can withstand that. Listen, he said, with the sweat of your brow, you will eat bread. Jesus was sweating. But this time was blood mingled with his sweat to deliver us from all the earth can bring to us in poverty. In Genesis 18, verse 19, it says, Both sons and tissues it shall bring forth for you. Did you know that the crown was what? Tons and tissues. God has a plan for your life. Amen? Everything is detailed. You got to understand it. Everything is detailed. And no one is ordinary. God has a plan for your life. You're not here by accident. Your day was flying over there. And you're just living it now. It's better if you surrender and totally refuse no matter what. Because it could be a test from God. You know. I read a, a track when I was a, a young Christian, which got to me and still is with me to today. This guy was a good golfer, and he woke up in the morning, and the sun was shining out. He says to himself, what a day for golfing. I got to go golf. And then another voice says, it's Sunday. You have to make a decision. 
I'm glad that that young man, if I can recall correctly, decided he wasn't going to golf anymore. He was going to church. This was more important. And we have things like that that come to us. We take those things as if they are more important than being in God's house. Like Angela was saying this morning, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. The Bible says, Hebrews chapter 10 tells us that. I believe from uh, 25 or 35. Tells us that. Those, after reading that, that track, I decided if, when the doors are opened, I'll fly in. Once the doors are open for church, if I can't find any Pentecostal church, I'll go to a Catholic church just to be in church. I've been in one. We sat, and they all will rise up before I knew what was going on, and everybody standing. Then I stand up with them. And then they finish whatever they are saying, and they all sit down, and I'm still standing, and I sit with them. It was back and forth. But I had to be in my father's house, no matter what. If you call it my father, God's house. So I want to share, I want to remind you, whatever you're going through, whatever it is, even if it's financial, problem in your home, marriage, if you stay with God and refuse to let, God would, uh, the test will pass and then the blessings come after the test. Just like with Abraham, now I know. And then after that, same thing with Joseph. David, they did what was right before God. They, they had difficulties, but God was with them. I always like the story of Joseph. He said, Joseph was this, went through this and this was told, and then he asked, but God was with Joseph. I like that said of me, okay? <laughs> no matter what I'm going through, God was with me. That's the best test. There's nothing more than that in life. Amen? Would you stand up with me this morning? I pray that everyone here today will realize I think Pastor Larry talked about this this morning about joy in over temptations having joy because you are tempted how can I have joy when things are rough you know why these scriptures revealed it because behind it, there is it's a test. And if you stay with it, you stay the course, things will change in your life. That's the way God is. God will never disappoint any man. Never. If you, even if it's just a word of prayer, your words are eternal. They stay forever. When I say your words are eternal, people wonder, what do you mean? How can God judge you for idle words that you spoke on earth and now in eternity is judging you for your idle words? Your words are important. What you say, they're important. Amen.
Will we lift our hands up this morning and say much Especially if you don't know the Lord our God. All I'm asking this morning is totally sell out completely. Saying, God, I am going with you all the way, no matter what. I am going with you. That's a dangerous thing to say. Because immediately God takes you up and something comes. But never despair. Because God, you've already made your, your vow before God or your statement before God. And he's taking you up. That's a blessing. And when it's all over, you will be blessed. The whole family will be blessed. And you stay calm. Father, we just want to thank you today. I thank you for my brothers and sisters here with me. God, I know that they love you. I know that they care about you. You said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. And with righteousness comes favor. For your word says you will surround the righteous with favor as a shield. So I thank you, God, for surrounding your people with that favor. And God, help each one of us to be able to make that decision from our heart. That regardless of what the enemy throws at us, regardless of what comes to our life, we will be victorious. Because by your blood, we have the victory. Thank you, Father, for my brothers and sisters and for their love for you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. God bless you.